0: Hello and welcome to GLGB Virtual, we are live. As part of GLGB's recent adjustments to the coronavirus lockdown, we have been helping parents and young people stay entertained and active all online. In order to adapt our delivery to government restrictions, on the 23rd of March, we launched GLGB Virtual, which runs every Monday to Thursday evening. This is our way of ensuring that we can continue to delight, inform, and entertain young people so that they can have some fun, learn new skills and make a difference. Sessions include skills like magic, upcycling and coding, physical activities and the focus of this podcast series, interviews, with expert speakers from a range of backgrounds, including famous actors, social entrepreneurs, government ministers and many more. These interviews are run by young people like myself, So if you have any questions or want to get involved, please reach out to us on any social media platform. Just look for Judge and message us. We have so many exciting guests for you to listen to and we hope you'll join us live very soon. For now though, join us through our catalogue of guests. Today's guest is TV personality and Countdown co-presenter, Rachel Riley. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy.
1: Rachel Riley is a TV presenter and personality best known for her role as the resident maths wizard and co-presenter of Channel 4's Countdown and its hilarious spin-off 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. Rachel Riley was born in 1986 in Essex. She identifies as Jewish through her mother as well as being a massive Manchester United fan through her father who is originally from Salford. Growing up in Southend-on-Sea, Rachel obtained four A's at A-Level and went on to study maths at Oxford University. After attempting a career in the financial sector, Rachel found trader behaviour wearing, as well as disliking the commute each morning. But she was in luck, as her television debut would start in 2009, when at the age of 22, she was hired to replace Carol Vorderman as the resident maths guru on Channel 4's Countdown. Despite having received no training for working in television and no prior experience within the media industry, Rachel has gone on to become a household name. She has carved out an incredible TV career, co-presenting 8 Out of 10 Cat Stars Countdown, The Gadget Show, It's Not Rocket Science, and appearing on BBC Strictly From Dancing, where she would meet her future husband, professional dancer Pasha Kovalev, who celebrated their first wedding anniversary yesterday. Mazel tov. Since 2018, Rachel has campaigned against the way the Labour Party has handled allegations of anti-Semitism. She has used her platform to combat against a growing rise in anti-Semitism in the UK, especially online, joining up with Tracy ann Oberman, a previous JLGB virtual guest, to file a lawsuit against 70 prominent anti-Semitic trolls. Through this gruelling experience, she has become a close supporter of the Jewish community, including JLGB where Rachel has appeared at many communal events to remind her of the many great positives of our community. Rachel and Pasha brought the beautiful baby, Maven, into the world just six months ago. And I'd imagine that raising a newborn in lockdown could not be easy. So we're especially grateful that she's found the time to join us this evening. It's actually just before Maven's bath time at 7.30, so I better get a move on. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome tonight's very special and most nominated JLGB virtual guest ever, Rachel Riley.
2: Oh, that's a nice intro. Well, <laughs> oh, my mum couldn't have done any better. And thanks for moving things around. Yeah, Maven, the baby's the boss at the moment, so she has a bath and she has a bath. So thank you for having me early. <laughs>
1: Well we're very excited to have you on the show tonight. How are you? How's lockdown been treating you? Are you keeping positive and how's the baby doing?
2: Yeah well everything revolves around the baby at the moment because like you say she's six months old so we're actually um, quite fortunate in a way because I was going to be back at work. I went back to Countdown. We filmed two blocks because um, we filmed th- in three-day sets up in Manchester and Salford yeah. um, and I live in London so we're kind of up and down and and Pash was supposed to be on tour Um, But obviously with everything that's happened, we've been, um, the work's gone. So we've been at home with the baby and we've been loving the baby and she's been enjoying it. So, um, you know, she's been at the age where she didn't need too much more than a walk around the park. So we've been really lucky. Yeah, we've just been missing the grandparents. But yeah, there's all, you know, we we could have been a lot worse. So,
1: Well, we're really pleased to have you on our JLGB virtual programme tonight. We've been boosting positivity and keeping children and their families active, healthy and entertained, unbelievably, now for 14 weeks since lockdown began, with the help of a very special guest helping us each evening. Other than our CEO, Neil Martin's persistence in asking, why is it important <laughs> for you to join us this evening?
2: I think it's nice to do um, positive. Um, like you say, it's, it's nice, to, nice to share in something positive, especially... Um, you know, I, I was, I was brought up and I'm proud to be Jewish, but I wasn't, um, in a big community. Um, and unfortunately what's brought me back into the community has been antisemitism. So I'm just, you know, it's much, much nicer to just do happy events, um, do things with, you know, that are just true to me, that the things that I enjoy, you know, whether I'm talking about countdown or maths or, um, education or fun stuff, pets, my baby. Um, yeah. And I, and I, 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 I lost badly to, uh, in, um, in a dance-off um, at the, I think was it the Allianz Arena about, about a year ago, just over that. And that was another fun event um, from a, a JLGB. So I know I'm not going to have to lose anything like that today, so I thought it was a bit safe. No.
1: <laughs> We're all about acts of kindness here at JLGB. And we always ask our guests what they've been doing to help others. You've already done so much before lockdown and being a new mum is definitely a full-time job but is there a personal act of kindness which you've done to help others during the pandemic?
2: Um, Yeah, there's been, um, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to talk about without bringing the mood down, but um, I've been quite involved in um, trying to help um, with the situation of domestic violence because unfortunately during lockdown, um, that has really increased. Um, And I was, you know, I, I kind of was from a nice, safe home, didn't experience anything like that in my life and assumed that what you'd always heard was true that if um if you ever need help you can go and get there you can go and get it and unfortunately i've had a friend who's um not experienced that so i've been um trying quite hard um to to help someone in a bit of a difficult situation
1: lovely so quickly to go back to the beginning, tell us about your childhood, growing up, and the youth opportunities that you had that helped to shape you. And when did you first fall in love with maths?
2: Um, I, my mom keeps telling me I had this little computer that I carried around when I was about five, and I used to just play these games over and over. You had like thirty seconds to do as many times tables as possible. And um, yeah. I think I was lucky that I was when I was at school and I got things right in maths. I got that um, you know I got confidence quite quickly, whereas I know. If people don't get it quite as early on, they can lose confidence quite quickly. So it's kind yeah. of like a double-edged sword. Um but I just I enjoyed it the more I did it. It got I mean, I found it often really boring at school, the same way most people, a lot of people might do. Um, but I like the challenge. So it can either be, you know, a foreign language and too difficult and you don't know what's going on, you switch off for that, or some you know, I found it quite easy. So it's just doing the same thing over and over and over. Um and you have to find the right balance, you have to go at your own pace. And yeah. the more I studied, the more interesting it got because, you, you know, you, 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 you go from your time tables and, and, and things like that to learning how um, they, they've worked out that astronauts have actually travelled forward in time. They've, they've time travelled forwards because of the speed they're going. And you're looking at Einstein's theory of special relativity um, and how that's used to make sure that your sat navs work and the maps on your phone actually work um, or yeah. quantum theory and how... Um, quantum you know studies of of teeny teeny tiny things that we'll never be able to see actually help make energy efficient light bulbs so I was kind of an applied mathematician um, and I enjoyed seeing how maths was used in the real world.
1: Yeah so you studied maths in Oxford and I'm studying maths A level right now in a very male dominated classroom (laughs) what <laughs> was it like to study maths a maths degree at such a prestigious university as a woman? Did you face any gender bias as a female maths student? And if so, how did you overcome this?
2: I never noticed. I was at, I was at girls' schools. So I was at Southend High School for Girls. Yeah. Uh, and because it was an all girls school, there was never even the concept. It was never even a consideration that girls or boys would be different or better or, or worse. But anything it didn't occur to me. And then I got to Oxford, and there were some, uh, not in my maths group but there were some boys that thought they were better for no apparent reason Um, and I was the I was one of six doing maths at at my college because they kind of split it into colleges there um, and I was the only girl but the boys were great I mean we just got on with it we were friends you know one of my one of these boys would make tea every time Um, and I I got on really well when I got there I remember it was so hard um, because I was used to kind of getting the top marks at school um, and then I got to uni and I, and I kind of would show people my worksheet in the bar and say guess what subject I'm doing and they wouldn't <laughs> have to work out that it was maths because there's no numbers yeah. on it. it just is so obscure what yeah. you do. Um, and I think before I went back for my second term I was crying in my kitchen and my mum was really worried about me and um, like, you know it, it was really hard I can't do it and then I went back and I had a test and I won a prize
1: <laughs> so that's I think
2: that's the difference between girls and boys—we kind of doubt ourselves a bit more, and boys yeah, are. On the,
1: fa- on the first day, on the first day of maths A level, I walked out and I was crying. I was like, "What yeah. do You know, but You know, did well, presumably. Yeah, I of the top in the class, but it's just there I think girls, you, know, so, you know.
2: But boys, there was a boy in my co- in my class in my college, and he would always come out of every test going, "Oh, that was easy. That, like, I totally know that." They love you know interview. They love etc etc. And I was much better than him. <laughs> so I guess, um, you know, an advice for girls is to not sell yourself short and have a bit more confidence. That's all we need. Yeah. We're good enough.
1: So you were considering a financial career. How did you go from that straight to Countdown? How did you find out about the role to replace Carol Fordman? What did the audition involve? And at the time, did you think that you stood a real chance of actually getting the role?
2: Well, I did an internship in one of my, one of the summers from Oxford um, at a hedge fund. Um, it was like a, a, a trading a trading desk, um, and it was an interesting experience. here, yeah, like you like you said, I was I was getting the five twenty nine train in the morning, and that was enough to put me off really. Yeah, um, and I just it just wasn't really for me. I just didn't particularly enjoy it, um, and I was lucky that when I finished uni, they were advertising um, that they wanted someone to replace Carol Waterman, because <laughs> she'd been doing the job since before I was born. And I used to watch Countdown when I was a kid. It used to be on a half past four, so I would get home from school, and me and my brother would just play along. And I was in a maths geek, so I never expected to hear back. But they um, they did call me back. They had I've had different numbers, but either one thousand or three thousand applications. They invited one hundred of us up for interview, and I was one of the last ones because I'm a last minute merchant. So I I got my like application in on the last day. Um, and then they gave me a few few sums, and they pressed this little like CD player that played the Countdown music and um, and then I was one of six that was invited to the studios, which were then in Leeds, and shoved yeah. it in front of a camera and I had my makeup done and I had to stand there while they, you know, and select the numbers and, um, and I was just lucky that it was kind of fight or flight and um, I, I didn't panic and my brain was still with me. Um, and I guess I'd, I, before that I'd practiced, I, I got this, the countdown music because in the interview it kind of threw me a bit. So I got the countdown music and I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And And I played the countdown music over and over and over. So it kind of became natural. I didn't hear it anymore. And um, I think that's what got me through because I was so nervous, but thankfully my brain wasn't.
1: (laughs) There's so many more questions that I'd love to ask, but more for me later. So we're going to hear some questions from our audience. Um, The first question is from Guy.
2: I've got a husband looking at me. What are you after, purchase? A sock. He wants. He wants the baby sock. Apologies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the first question is from Guy. I think he's here. I did see him.
2: Hello. Oh, we can't hear you. Oh, I can see you. We're going to need an hour. Can you hear me now? There we go.
3: got you. Right, sorry. Um, so my question
4: is, do you ever get nervous during filming? And what tips do you have for dealing with pressure and nerves for those of us who feel anxious due to pressure, like exams? I heard for Strictly that you tried cognitive behavioural therapy, mm-hmm. which I hear is good for anxiety. <laughs> did it work?
2: Yes, and that's a really good question. So I didn't know that until I did Strictly, that, um, and I got stage fright. I didn't know that I was a perfectionist um, and through the CBT. They taught me that a perfectionist doesn't mean that you want everything to be perfect all the time. It just means that kind of, when you do anything, you're overly critical of yourself afterwards. You only look at the negatives. And I was like that with everything. I think my friendship group, we were all kind of trained in the same way, but whenever we did something, we wouldn't say, Oh, that was great. You know, that was good enough. We would look at the like the bits that went wrong and focus on that, which isn't very healthy. And the CBT taught me to, um, before you do anything, think of um, a realistic positive outcome that you're hoping to achieve and just have that in mind. And when you've actually done whatever, you know, whatever whether it's an exam or a dance or whatever, if you've achieved that, then you should feel good about yourself <laughs> and tell yourself well done. So I remember for my CBT, I, I said I wanted to get one eight and it turned out to be my last dance, but I got two sevens and two eights and I could have focused on the things that went wrong. Um, but I didn't, I just, I got more than actually what I wanted and just took the time to actually, you know, be happy with that. Cause I didn't before. I hope that helps.
4: Thank you.
1: The next question is from Aviva. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Um, Do you prefer regular countdown or eight out of ten cats does countdown with Jimmy Carr? Um, Do you think it's more fun to make the regular countdown or like the latter? Um, Because some of your
2: like your rounds with Joe Wilkinson with the letters and numbers they're just like the funniest things that we've seen on TV. Thank you, I'm glad you like it. (laughs) I get asked this question all the time and I honestly say that um, I can't really choose because they're totally different. I mean, if it's the same set that you see, but in terms of the working day, it's, it's so different. And um, when we do Countdown, we do 15 shows in three days. And I've got um, an earpiece to speak to the gallery. And especially our producer is the quickest, filthiest man you will ever meet in your life. He's, you'd think like the Countdown producer might be in like, a cardigan with you know a couple, like, a couple of bourbons or whatever. Um, and Damien's like a leather jacket, skull and crossbones, skinhead, Black blackball. <laughs> uh, and so it's, so it's fun just to hear him like take the mic constantly when we're doing regular countdown and of course um from Cat's Countdown I've had I've like I'm, I'm a massive comedy fan I'm not really kind of that into music or anything like that but I love comedy and my favorite comedian's Bill Bailey um and I you know I've got to basically have private showing and call it work um I'm good friends with Jimmy Carr now Jimmy's wonderful um and yeah, a, there, I mean that's, that's, that's really funny, you never know what's going to happen, but I am a maths geek at heart and for the Cats countdown. Countdown, um, you know, comedy's not my, my forte and I only get to do a couple of maths rounds so kind of sometimes I just feel like I'm just kind of like standing in the corner um, whereas Countdown feels like my home and I love doing the maths so they've both got something but I couldn't, I couldn't possibly choose. Thank you. Thank you.
1: The next question is from Sydney.
0: Hi, Rachel. Hello. Um, my question is slightly more serious, but as a prominent figure in the fight against anti-Semitism, you have had to deal with a lot of undercurrent of abuse that has become even more mainstream in recent years. Mm. Community heroines like yourself and previous guests of JLGB Virtual, Luciana Berger and Tracy ann Oberman, have also come under public attack. Can you mm. tell us a little bit more about your experiences on Twitter, why you took a stand and how you fought that? Thank
2: you. Yeah, it's a horrible one. It's, yeah, it's been genuinely horrible. Um, all the attacks on Twitter. I mean, I um I did my first tweet, I just kind of noticed an undercurrent of anti-Jewish sentiment in the press and just people were comfortable saying things that were just, just felt wrong. Um and whenever anyone had uh, tried to speak or ha- you know was was asked or spoke about Israel, they'd always like have to qualify in some way, whether they knew what they were qualifying or not, they'd have to reject something. Whereas I heard a lot of people, you know, freely talking about, um, Palestinians without having to reject Hamas. And I just thought, I just thought it was an imbalance and I thought it was weird. Um, and the first time I spoke out, I was expecting, I I kind of, I'd written deleted messages before because I thought, well, racism's bad. Everyone knows this. What's the point? Like you're just going to get a, yeah, racism's bad. And I didn't, I got a we're not racist, while everyone was being racist. <laughs> like, um, so I kind of had my eyes open to how big the problem was and I, I met young people that had like noticed the problem, quit their jobs, quit universities to go and fight it, um, and once I'd done one or two tweets, the like the gratitude I had from people in the Jewish community that had been fighting this for so long and like the look in their eyes and me- meeting Luciana and just hear it, just kind of picking up on how bad this was. Um, And I felt that I had, you know, 10 years of people knowing me for, um, you know, animal charities or promoting maths and supporting Man United, you know, nothing political, nothing, you know, people, a lot of people didn't know I was Jewish. Um, I didn't have anything, you know, I didn't have an agenda. (laughs) So I was trying to put myself out there to say like, this is wrong. Just what? Um, but yeah, I've had, um, uh, campaigns to boycott me, campaigns to have me fired, campaigns to have me arrested, like all sorts of n- nutty things. But if there wasn't this bigger problem, I wouldn't have had to put up such a big fight. Um, and, you know, from being Jewish, from being brought up, knowing about Holocaust from a really young age and knowing what it is to be a bystander, I was just, it's just ingrained in me that you just can't. Um, and that's what I heard frequently from, you know, people like uh, Gideon Falter, who set up CAA campaign against anti-Semitism, he said, "You know, I could be being a, you know, I could be working as a manager consultant, feathering my nest, but I've seen a big problem, and I can't, I couldn't live with myself if it took over, and I could have done something." So, um, yeah, it's it's great to have other, you know, I like Tracy and Luciana, are just are wonderful, and there's a, you know, great support network, and and hopefully, you know, I think at the moment the um, the EHRC, the the big um, the big, you know, uh, investigation into whether Labour is institutionally racist is due any minute. People have had it, Um, the people in question have had it, so um, I think that will give us some vindication Um, and I've got, you know, I can look at myself in the eye at the end of the day. That's the only person I have to answer to really, I think.
1: Thank you for answering that.
2: Thank you.
1: The next question is from Alice. Hiya. um, this one kind of follows up from Sydney's uh, question, but it's, um, what advice would you give to young Jewish people about standing up against anti-Semitism, or indeed all young people in fighting racism, injustice, prejudice, or inequality, wherever they may find it?
2: Yeah, I think it's important, like you say, wherever you find it, and, and cross the board, because um, I think one of the most hurtful things that I've seen is, is people trying to pit minorities off against each other, and whether it's you know anti-Semitism versus um, anti-Muslim hatred, or at the moment anti-Semitism versus Black Lives Matter. You know, proper anti-racists they wouldn't bother. They don't do that. Um, so there's some amazing campaigns. People like Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, there's a there's a group of the ADL, which, you know, um, American Defense League, um, and people. Uh, NAACP so uh, you know coalitions of of Jewish groups of of black groups of Muslim groups supporting each other so that's you know really important for starters um and I think I I kind of had to learn what it's like to deal with this kind of stuff on on social media when you get a barrage of hate all the time you change the way you speak because you you feel like you're speaking to these people but that's not what you should do you should you know just just be true to yourself just imagine you're speaking to friends, because it's the people you want to inoculate. It's not the people that hate you already. They're, I mean, a lot of them, are, to be honest, a lot of them are gone. It's the people it's people that, that don't know any better that you don't want to be um, you know, sucked into this world and you can inoculate them with good information. So, spread positivity, um, don't, don't, don't be afraid and look for allies, I think would be my top advice.
1: Thank you. And the next question is, From
4: Hi there, Rachel. Hi,
2: Joel.
4: Hi. Um, As Corbyn has now left the Labour Party, or left being leader of the Labour Party, Mm -hmm. so Keir Starmer is the new leader. um, Are you happy with what has been done so far, especially in recent days um, about the issue of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, and do you think? being finally addressed?
2: Um I think it's in the process of being addressed. Um y- yeah, I think we're I think it's I think it's we're in a much, 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 much better shape than mm. we were. And I think people, you know, there were a lot of people thinking about whether they'd leave, they'd leave the country if Labour were to have got in, in December. And we're not yeah. there anymore. They've still got a problem, but I I i absolutely believe that they're trying to fix it. And I believe they are trying to fix it because I mean I, I, I say this is. As I'm a neutral political person, I'm I'm not Labour, I'm not Tory. Um, I call myself a centrist, um, but I believe they're trying to fix the problem in Labour because they know, for one, they're never going to get elected with this kind of stain on their record as supposedly yeah. anti-racist party, and two, I think they genuinely want to. I, do, and, I and that's that's genuinely I, so, what I yeah. believe from from things that I that I know to be true. Um, so. I think you know the EHRC is going to come soon, um, and I think we're going to see more changes in the right direction. Um, and I know people, you know, some people will never forgive them for what's happened, and I understand that, um, and some people are just you know, desperate to be able to support the Labour Party again because it's in their blood, so whichever way is up to mm. them, but I, I think we're going in the right direction.
4: Definitely, thank you very much. Thanks.
1: The next question is from Sydney. Hi, um, no, one, no one is more aware of this than you, but it wasn't that long ago that social media was considered the scourge of society. Considering the bad press over the years, be it cyberbullying, body image, and unrealistic filtered photos, mm-hmm. and of course abusive or hateful speech and fake news, has digital connectivity and technology now become an unsung hero of this pandemic and cats same? And as a former host of The Gadget Show, despite what you've had to endure with online trolls, do you ultimately believe that technology is a force for good?
2: I Yeah, I think it's, I mean, ultimately it's a force for good, but I think there's, there's huge problems with it at the moment. And I think, um, you know, nobody ever imagined, I mean, not least, you know, people like Mark Zuckerberg, when they invented, you know, these me- social media platforms, what they would turn into, but actually... There's so much misinformation online, even relating to COVID. Um, there's been a huge spike in antisemitism relating to COVID, um, and anti-vaccines as well. Um, and we've, you know, I've I've become patron of a group called the Centre for Countering Digital Hate, um, and they are fighting online misinformation and online hate in loads of different ways. Um, and they've done some research that shows, you know, the more like the more you're on social media, the less likely you are. and and you're you know reading these conspiracy theories then the less likely you are to be washing your hands and the less likely you are to um follow social distancing um if you if you're in you know these these bad parts of the web so there's a lot they need to do i think legislators need to catch up um and uh, you know things that would wouldn't happen in in real life like you know you wouldn't go to your local pub And it'd be acceptable that in one corner there's a bunch of Nazis with swastikas um, saying, you know, go Hitler. If you went into that pub, you'd, you'd, you know, ask the landlord why on earth there is this group here. But on social media, there are these groups and the social media companies know they're there and they don't do anything about it and they're making money off it. Um, So (laughs) ultimately, I think, you know, it's got to be... it's, it's got to be a, a, a force for good. It's hopefully an equaliser. Um, it was, you know, going some way to, to, to make life slightly more equal. But there's a, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, yeah. Difficult question. Big topic. Thank you.
1: <laughs> the next question is from Eris.
2: Hey, uh, so you've recently started working with TikTok to produce educational content with tutorials and tips for maths and sciences to help children's learning. Can you tell us more about this project and what you're hoping to achieve using this digital platform? Uh, well, I've done three videos so far um, and it's quite, it's good fun because I'm always kind of a late adopter with technology. I like to everyone else to test it out first and once they know it's good and fun, then I'll get get—I'll jump on board. Um, but yeah, it's, I, think, I think it's, um, you know, a novel idea um, to try and bit of learning on TikTok and I guess it's kind of like eat your vegetables in small doses, you know, a bit a little bit of maths, up to 60 seconds of maths, and you might learn something. Um so yeah, it'd be good to know what kind of things people want to 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 hear about. But I get asked the same questions over and over and over and and I did one this week on um you know those memes you get when you have like a clock plus a clock plus a clock equals 30 and you know that kind of thing. and I just get asked the same questions over and over and over and over and over. So at least now, if I get asked again, I can just send them my TikTok. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks.
1: I'm always asked those questions as well. I sent them with the with yeah,
2: the yeah
1: mm. always. Um, <laughs> the next question is from Jamie.
4: Hi Rachel. Um, coronavirus Hello. has affected the creative arts industry substantially, closing the West End, cancelling the Edinburgh Fringe, and hating a lot of a lot of TV production. With the government starting to ease lockdown, there still seems to be a lot of questions around the return to theatres and TV studios. How is Countdown planning to return, and will you only return when it's also safe for your co-host Nick Hewer to be there with you?
2: Um, well, I think we're we're going to be back in studio imminently. Actually, um, I think from is it it's the fourth, isn't it? Everything's kind of open in the country, so government advice makes uh, you know allows us to be filming again. Um, so we're just going to have to find the new normal. We're not going to have an audience, unfortunately. Um, but for countdown, it's kind of less important than, you know, perhaps a comedy show. Um, and things like we have, as I say, we film 15 shows in three days. So we wouldn't generally need, um, at least 17 contestants, I think it is. Um, so, but we, we can't have people traveling across the country or the UK. Um, so we're gonna to have to find more local people and you know navigate it a bit differently with hair and makeup, but we'll make it work. Everyone's you know we know why we're doing this and you know we all want to get back to work really. So hopefully countdown will be back on soon. Yeah.
4: Got my husband looking to forward go. to starting it all up.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'll be different because I went back with I've did five days of filming since I had the baby and was ready to get back and then was looking for a childminder. And then it all happened. Um, So now I've been at home and just looking after the baby for a while, so it'd be strange. You know, it'd be like, like, kind of like the end of maternity leave. Um, But she'll be be upstairs waiting for me. And in between shows, I'll go and feed her and have a play and find a new normal.
4: Good. (laughs) Well, enjoy. Thank
2: Thank you you very much. Um,
1: if anyone has a question that wasn't emailed in, can you please message it to Ellie Pendred on the chat, just because I think we've got some extra time for more questions. So if anyone hasn't emailed one in, then and wants to ask a question, then message it to Ellie Pendred on the Zoom chat. Um, the next question is from Adam Shelley.
3: Hi, Rachel. Um, first of all, on behalf of all of our volunteers, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I, I know when you came to our event at Allianz, you especially made time to come up in your very busy schedule and spend a lot of time with us. And I, th- I know some of the members did win the dance, Matt. They still do that. They, they mention it, but we'll we'll let you come back next year and, and try and beat them. Um, but my question um, was speaking of kind of the return from lockdown. You are a massive Manchester United fan. And you, you've done football commentary and punditry and, and presenting and so on. are you pleased that football has returned and having found an F, um, found a way to bring it back safely uh, over the last few weeks, is it all kind of irrelevant now Liverpool have won the league?
2: exactly established so we've got our football back, but Liverpool won the league, so who wants to watch that. <laughs> I'm a massive Man United fan, as Abby said right at the start. My dad's from Salford, um, so he's been going to the matches since 1960, and we took Maeve to her first game when she was 10 weeks old. Um, so thankfully, she got in there, um, and we actually she saw us win. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have a bit of normality. I think you know, being able to watch the football again, um, and I like it with the crowd noise now because we actually, we, you know, we had a game or two. I think it was one game in Europe for certain where it was just silent and odd. Um, and I've got a friend who works at, at Man United and she was there in the stadium the other day for our home game. She just said, it's so weird. You can hear all the players shouting everything. And the manager is like a Sunday league team. You just, you know, you just hear everything. which is, Yeah, kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, 30, 30 years or whatever it's been at Liverpool not winning, this was very nice. But, you know, whatever. They won it fair and square. But it will always well, be- I, I
3: shouldn't <laughs> say, I shouldn't say, I'm happy to take your family to Anfield with me. Um, <laughs> oh,
2: I've been 1-0 I've been Wayne Rooney, 2008.
3: <laughs> I, remember, I, I remember that one. We've lost, we've, we've lost a few times. But once in 30 years, I think we, we all know how yeah. well Sir Alex, yeah. Sir Alex did. And we were entitled to have one year. But uh, yeah. good, good luck with the FA Cup and good luck with Europa League. Well,
2: well and, done uh, to
3: you lot. Thank you. And hopefully we'll all Wait be in... <laughs> I thought you might say that, but hopefully we'll be back in we'll all be back in stadium soon and, and, and watching our beloved yeah. teams. But thank you again for for coming on. We really appreciate it. No, thanks for
1: having
3: me. Back to Abby.
1: So continuing on the football theme as a Manchester United fan and as someone who have used your platform to campaign for change and argue against injustice, are you proud of Marcus Rashford for speaking up and getting the government to U-turn? over plan to scrap the free school meal vouchers over the summer holidays do you think that more footballers should get involved with campaigning for good or even politics
2: i think it's i think it's great i think everyone well ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of people are proud of, of marcus Rashford for what he's done yeah he's i mean he's a young lad he's from manchester and he's talking from his own experience um to help others and i think you know he's an example um He's just—he's just a great example, great role model. I mean, footballers have always been role models, whether they want to be or not. Um, So for him to actually have—you have, know—done something positive, I think it's wonderful. And I think ju- even before the the free school meals, he—I think he was given be the freedom of Manchester. Or something. He was written to by um, the mayor for for he's—he's he's done a lot, a lot more than um than the—you know—the latest thing. He's—he's—he's he's, he's done a lot during the lockdown, mm-hmm. and I think he's—you know. With money and and, and supporting a lot of local kids in Manchester, which is great. Um, so yeah, more of that. I mean, it's difficult. I mean, even even though everything I've done, I still don't consider myself political. I know that sounds ridiculous, but from now on, I mean, and before anti-Semitism, I don't care if you vote. I don't care who you vote for, as long as it's not yes. the BMP. Because um, you know, I think people are entitled to their own opinions, and I know that it's been extremely hurtful to seeing, seeing political people, um, that I respect and like otherwise, you know, but not, well, people in the industry or famous people whatever, come out and say, vote for Corbyn or you're a, or you're this or you're that, you yeah. know, this from that for me, was voting for a racist. And I, not, I, yeah. I, you know, I think where you can, where you can make change across the board part you know, cross party, Cross cultures, I think that's the best route if you can do that.
1: Definitely. So we have another question from Hannah. Hi. Hello. Um, I just wanted to ask if you always work out the answers to the questions, even, or if you work out that the answers can't be solved when it's randomly generated, or if it comes in through an earpiece, or. How it
2: works really. <laughs> yeah so we have um, the tiles that I pick from are magnetic so they don't connect to anything and it like you say it's a random number generator so not all of the um, not all of the selections are possible once you've t- picked the tiles and pressed the button yeah, yeah.
1: Um
2: so there's no so we have a live normally we'd have a live studio audience Um so it's kind of as you see in terms of timings and I do the math myself Um that's my thing a maths geek if anyone tried to tell me the answer I'd probably try to punch him in the face (laughs) um as anyone who's previously tried (laughs) would would be aware um because that's that's my thing um so the only way we can tell if I don't get the answer um then I would if I would try to get the answer in like the break or during the next part and then say oh I didn't get it in time but here it is um so if I haven't got it then you, the only way to know if it's not possible is to type the numbers into a computer, and then the, the producer will tell me if it's not possible, so that we're, I'm not wasting my time and people at home aren't wasting their time. Um, but that's as far as we go with using computers, the rest of it's all. Brains, old fashioned. very impressive, thank you. Right, it's like riding a bike. Practice, practice, practice.
1: Uh, we have a question from Louis.
4: Hello, Hello. Hi, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's uh, sort of a follow up question to the previous one. Um, how quickly uh, do you solve a complex numbers problem countdown? Uh, and like, what's your thought process if it's like not an obvious one? Like, how do you go from like hundred minus six times twenty five? Like, like it's just <laughs> I'm watching it every day. Like in lockdown, it's just like such a good, a, a good time That's killer. Awesome. Um, but like, what's like the thought process behind it?
2: Uh, Well, instead of working on base 10, I work with base 25. So people always say, how do you know your 79 times table? I haven't got a clue what my 79 times table is, but I know my 75s and I know my four times table. So once you know, you know, you really need to know your 25, 50, 75 and 100 for countdown. And then you, and then you're only working up or working down. Um, And yeah, just a little bit of practice. Um, I actually did some tips. Um, I've done some tips before. We did a um, a series um, with celebrities playing recently where I did some kind of math tips and I've also done some stuff for National Numeracy a couple, couple of years ago on Twitter where I actually posted some um, little postcards where I wrote them down and, and tried to teach the comedians from cats these tips. Um, so they are all on there um, but yeah I mean I, I don't get them all because some of them are impossible but I just there are there are you know you, you you kind of get a feel for numbers so you see one ends in a five you know it's divisible by five. If the digits add up to something in the nine times table, you know, it's divisible by nine. Um, and yeah, you just get you just get a feel for the numbers. Yeah. And I'm like 11 years on, and I've probably done something like 3,000 episodes or together. It,
4: it, it, looks, it looks like you get quite frustrated sometimes when it's quite obvious and the, the two contestants haven't got it. And you're like, well, you could have done it like four or five different ways. Um, I don't know. But...
2: I, I just, it's hard not to look smug. And it's hard, I, sometimes I <laughs> pick, I'm when I'm doing it I'll sometimes I've got it before before the clock's gone right. um, and then I would just look and I spend the rest of the time think trying to work out what they're going to do so that I've already pre-thought the calculations right and write them up instead of having to think on camera um and sometimes then if they've missed something really easy I might try and do a harder one just so they don't feel bad oh. <laughs> it's quite nerve-wracking in studio you they're there you know you're there for the first time you've got the cameras um, and it's just a bit disorientating and they're used to playing at home with pen and paper and you can pause it and so it's quite a friendly, it's a really friendly team and we're trying to make everyone feel comfortable um, and especially we actually have you know, more men coming on than women and I think men are a bit more bullshit about, they're not worried about getting things wrong whereas women are a little bit more timid so it's just, you know we'd I'd like more women to come on and just make it as friendly and comfortable as possible Thank you Ta!
1: We have another question from Jamie.
4: Hi, I'm back. Um, I've got another <laughs> question. Um, when it comes to the gadget show, how, what was that like to actually work on that program? And did you like take home the gadgets and test them all and like, use them all yourselves and come back and talk about it? Or were you kind of strictly within, within the, the production uh, time?
2: It, it depended um, what the gadget was. So sometimes if it was like a, fit, a Fitbit tracker, that kind of thing, um, a fitness tracker, then you would just wear it for a while just to see what it's like or, um, and I remember I was, when, I was on, when I was doing Strictly, I was walking on the gadget show and I was wearing, a, a I think it was a Fitbit. Um, and I remember doing, there was a whole day where we were dancing one of the really energetic dances, like salsa or something. Um, and then, you know, had a break, went for lunch, came back, did some more like hours of dancing. And then you look at the end of the day, what it tells you. And it told me that I was mostly inactive and it had me as really active, the bit where I was walking for lunch. So at that point, <laughs> you know that this gadget is a load of crap. Um, but most of the time it would just be in studio. We'd film that in Birmingham. Um, and it was bonkers, the stuff we'd do. Um, good, good fun, um, and I got to know Birmingham quite well. Um, and yeah, Jason Bradbury, who I worked with were there, was just full of energy. Um, and it's a completely different style of presenting, um, than Countdown. So Countdown doesn't have any scripts. It's in the studio. Um, and the gadget show was, you know, we had script and we can ad lib a bit and we could have a lot more fun and you'd film for two days to produce 45 minutes of telly. Whereas in Countdown it's, you know, you would film for eight hours to get five episodes. So mm. it was a really good learning experience. Um, did you find that.
4: out a, a particular good gadget or something by the end of it was there oh, something that you I, used
2: I tried things like google glass for the first time so it was 2012 2013 where i was working on um on the gadget show so some of the things that were brand new then like mind control skateboards um like mind control stuff i mean even at that point you could just get stuff off the shelf that allowed you to literally think about moving and your, your you know the skateboard would move where you could or mind control drone um, and Google Glass, which was which had, you know, um, just, just, just all kinds of stuff that were cutting edge at the time and, and really cool to get to try. And um, VR technology as well, that was like kind of just coming in. Um, so it's all like, it's all ancient stuff now. But yeah. Sorry.
4: You get to take any of it home?
2: Um, I, I, the only thing I got was a pair of headphones. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that was the only thing. I didn't really know. That was it. It was, um, yeah, we mostly borrowed stuff and it kind of went on the shelf in the studio once we'd, once we'd tried
4: something. Okay. Great. Thank you very much.
2: Like healing from work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, we have a question um, from Erin.
4: Hi, Rachel. Hello,
2: how are you?
3: Good, thank you. I'm good. Big fan. Um, I was just wondering, kind of in your own opinion, who was the best kind of guest or contestant you've had on Countdown, Cats' Countdown, obviously behind Bill Bailey?
2: <laughs> oh, so best is in most in most fun?
3: Yeah, as in just the one that you've enjoyed kind of having on the show the most.
2: Oh, that's a really hard question. There's been so many. Um, I think there's... um. I can't even remember his real name. He plays a character on it. uh, I think his real name is Tom. um, He plays a character called Ivan Brackenbury. um, And he had a sitcom called Hospital People where he played about six different people, uh, men and women. Um, He just dressed up as these different characters. He came on as a character called Ivan Brackenbury, who's the hospital radio DJ. And it was just pure filthy innuendo um, from this character who was kind of a quite simple... Can, yes
3: I um, remember bits from that one
2: <laughs> you can google some of that I thought that was brilliant and then we've got the um the Brett Domino trio who are two guys mm. who play funny songs um uh, yeah you just we've had loads loads of just funny moments and, and you know the, the guys that are there all the time are the generally they're they're, they're so funny because they know what they're doing They they have kind of they they kind of know what the first part of the show is going to be like, so they have the the questions, the scripted questions at the start, so they can prepare something, and then the rest of it is just ad lib. Um, yeah. So it's really it's really cool getting to see them work, and especially because it's an edited show, so it's like we film for about two and a half hours to make about forty something minutes of telly. Um. So seeing their kind of process of like trying stuff and getting absolutely no reaction and just carrying on, um. It's quite, It's 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 good. It's it's really interesting.
3: Thanks. Yeah, no, it looks like great fun to kind of be on set for.
2: Yeah, we enjoy it, and I just I, I generally, it's I, my favorite guests have been like the dogs and the, the the puppies and the kittens when we have the pets on.
4: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Cheers. We have the um, last question from some regulars. We have a question from Simon Sisters. Hello.
2: Hello! Wow, that was exciting. Hi. Hi. <laughs> What's your
1: question?
2: I've got a question too. offer. Okay, okay. okay. Did you enjoy your university? That's my question. <clears throat> well, you can share the question. I did, actually. I loved it. I don't know about you, um, but school wasn't as fun as the school holidays for me. I was much happier. Was cool. Is that the same for you? Or do you prefer yeah. the school? school holidays? So that's what it was like for me. But when I got to university, the, I preferred the university term time than the holidays because it was so much fun because you live with all your mates, you do your work, when your work's done you go and you party or you play football or netball or cycling or I think I played um, pu- water polo in a canoe in a canal, all sorts of stuff um, and Oxford was loads and loads and loads of fun, I really enjoyed it and got really good friends there.
1: Were you good at netball?
2: Uh, I was alright, we won, we won kind of county level stuff. Um, two of my best friends um, from, from school played um, county for Essex they played net- netball for Essex in my team so they were great and um, one of them ran for Great Britain so she was really speedy so we, yeah. had good, we had a good little team so I was one of the worst ones but we still used to win stuff <laughs> thank, you. thank you you're welcome
1: we actually have another question um, from Samuel Guillory
3: Hi there Rachel. Hello. Um, uh, what was it like to work with the kids on Memory Slam and what was your n- initial reaction to seeing how smart the kids were, actually were?
2: That was fun, that was um, yeah, a programme I did called Memory Slam. I, think, I can't remember how old the kids were, maybe around about 11 I want to say, it was a few years ago now. Um, and they had to, it was just um, kind of a quiz show but they had to learn memory techniques um, and then apply them. Um, And yeah, they were really smart. And I've I've done other shows, um, like Child Genius, where, to be honest, the kids, I wouldn't want to babysit them, if I said that politely, not all of them were that nice. They were, yeah. But the Memory Slam kids um, were wonderful, and they were just enthusiastic, and they just liked learning, and yeah, seeing um, kind of the memory tricks that they were taught by the, you know, so-called professionals of, like p- making pictures and the weirder the picture in your mind to connect things together the more likely it is to stick there and I've been learning Russian because my husband's Russian and his mum doesn't speak English and I've used a load of those memory tricks to to learn words because otherwise it's just sounds they don't relate to anything in English so to be able to remember them I kind of have a, a weird image in my head so yeah it's been, been quite useful. It's nice. I've been
3: okay. learning Japanese which is quite hard language to learn in general, how, uh, so. what's
2: your what's your secret how do you remember um, stuff, stuff it's just
3: practice practice practice
2: hmm is that no Is like are you learning the the to write as well so the, yeah 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 Must i'm be. more
3: proficient with writing than than speaking but what
2: can you do i would learn oh very impressive anyway, thank you very much oh you're welcome
1: thanks for the question we have so many questions coming in we have another one from ricky
2: oh that's good Hi Rachel, how are you doing? Uh, Oh, hi. Good, thank you. How are you? Good.
3: Yeah. Good. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, My questions about um, eight out of ten cats does countdown. Um, I'm a regular viewer. I think it's hilarious. Um, I wanted to ask you. Whenever someone gets a nine,
2: Mm -hmm. um,
3: John Richardson is is not very happy. Uh, I remember one time. (laughs) I remember one time Lee Mack got a nine. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Stedding's remember it well, and he was livid. John Richardson <laughs> is not happy. So I want to know: is that real? Is he really fuming, or is that just a slight act?
2: Oh, I mean, I think they become parodies of themselves. I'm not even sure they they know where their real personality ends and the you know the the mic take starts. But <laughs> mostly, what you see is what you get with all of them. You know, Sean's as as kind of standoffish and grumpy <laughs> 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 as he a bit. Well, actually, I, lo- I love Sean, but. Um, He's kind of very. He's very blunt, very funny, and and John genuinely used to watch Countdown with his mum. I think so. He's really. Yeah, he, he is actually good at the game, and he does want to win. And he's quite pedantic. You might have noticed. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think a lot. A lot of it is genuine. <laughs> <laughs> good.
3: good. Good to know. I'll watch. Uh, I'll watch in future with that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Thank you,
2: guys.
3: Thanks, Rachel.
1: Cheers. In these unprecedented times, it's definitely. You know you can definitely say no one's been the most positive they've ever been you know it has had a lot of impacts on people's physical mental health and even on you know the economy um do you have hope for the future and what positives do you think may come out of all of this strange times
2: um i, I hope it's given people more of a sense of community again um we've kind of we've been going because obviously the baby and everything else has been shut but we've been going to the park every day um, and. It's just been really nice connecting with nature. So we've kind of, we've gone every day and a few months ago, there were the first little baby goslings and like, and recently there've been baby swans, the cygnets. And even this week, there's now the ducklings. So it's just been kind of positive to go there and just be with, just be with nature, like put your phone away and just see something green. Um, And also, um, I mean, I'm I'm in London. So a lot of people don't really, you don't really know your neighbours, but there are some people that I've seen in the park that you see, every day because they're also doing the same thing so just you know chatted with people that I never would have otherwise and gone to like a local shop that you wouldn't have gone to otherwise so hopefully or you know people will still kind of carry on shopping local um helping whichever neighbors they know you know need an extra hand um but there's definitely there's a lot of positivity there's a lot of you know positives that have come out if you want to look for them
1: yeah, definitely, our family's been going on a lot more walks and realising yeah. everything's closer than we think, like, you know, not everything yeah. needs the car.
2: Yeah, pollution's down a hell of a yeah. bit, I think. I'm, well, actually, I used to love cycling, but now with the baby, I've not cycled for a while. Um, but I think, you know, a lot more people are getting into cycling, and I'm, we're definitely walking a lot more than we were, and it's a lot, I'm more kind of actually enjoying the walk rather than it being a means to an end. So, yeah, hopefully those yeah. things are okay. Definitely.
1: And finally, we always ask all of our guests to nominate and ask another celebrity or community leader to be a future guest on our programme and help entertain us all. So if you've enjoyed tonight's experience, who would you like to n- nominate? Do you think you might be able to convince Joe Wilkinson, Jimmy Carl, <laughs> perhaps even a certain Strictly dancer not too far away from where you are now?
2: Oh. I mean, he would be the easy one, wouldn't he? I'd have to look after the baby for a while I'll try I can I can I'll try and I'll try and nominate the husband I'll try I'll try and nominate Pasha and see what see what he can do very exciting
1: well thank you for joining us this evening and for inspiring us all we've really loved hearing about your career and experiences and we're so indebted to you for the fight that you've taken on against anti-semitism and just to make our lives safer and brighter for all the hate and abuse we know that you've had to endure, please know that we all stand behind you and we're so proud to have you as our advocate. Mm-hmm. And personally, it's been an absolute honor as a young Jew, fellow Essex girl, and a maths geek, even though I do prefer pure than applied math. Geek,
2: <laughs> to It's you this evening. Go for uni and tell me that in three years time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very um, much, it's really
1: lovely. We've you for long enough, so please say a big hello to Kasia and Maven for us. For all of us here at JLGB, stay safe, take care and we hope to see you again soon. You too,
2: thank you very much for having me, yeah, really appreciate it. Ah, oh, the key's in the door, the baby's coming home with her bath so. <laughs> that's me, back to Mum GT. Thanks everyone, thank so, have a good you. night, lots
0: of awesome. bye. Thank you so much for listening to JLGB Virtual, we are live. Take care of yourselves and stay safe and we shall see you again soon.